Support for this podcast and the following message come from Wise, the app that makes managing your money in different currencies easy. With Wise, you can send and spend money internationally at the mid-market exchange rate. No guesswork and no hidden fees. Learn more about how Wise could work for you at wise.com. We're going to take you now to the small town of Trostyanets in northeast Ukraine. It's just 22 miles from the Russian border. It was the first Ukrainian community to be liberated from Russian occupation in this war. A month after Russian forces pulled away, NPR correspondent Franco Ordonez found there are still deep scars. Dr. Hannah Shvitsova steps over a plastic tarp. It will help cover up a hole in the wall big enough to push a gurney through. She walks into the halls of what was once a state-of-the-art maternity ward just renovated last fall. Nearly every window is blown out and several of the birthing rooms are charred black. She stops to stare at a glossy picture of a blonde baby lying on a white pillow. It's the kind of image seen in countless ads for baby products. It's now covered in bullet holes. All of it was destroyed. Six babies were delivered here during the occupation, including a pair of twins. Shvitsova says most of those were conducted in the hallways, where they felt a bit safer working between two extra walls. I could have died three times with my patients. First, when the tank was shooting at us. Second, when the ceiling was falling. The third was when she decided to walk a new mother home around the tanks and through a forest that she later learned was full of landmines. The head of the maternity ward, Dr. Tetiana Sirodenko, says without windows and in some places no walls, there was no escaping the cold, and the shelling was just incessant. It's hard to explain the explosions. It was in your head. It was above your head. It was exploding inside of you. It was hell. Some of the last days were also the worst, forcing patients and doctors to the basement. With no power, they use flashlights to deliver a baby. Sidorenko says she never wants to go back to that basement. This is pain. It was just horrible. I don't want to go down there. I don't want to remember. It's psychologically difficult. That trauma not only impacts the doctors at Trust Units Hospital, but haunts many in this community of roughly 20,000 people. The damage is everywhere. The bridge into town is split into two. Bombed homes look as if a giant came through and ripped off their roofs. Residents warn stunned passers-by not to linger around the train station or risk a piece of the dangling roof falling on top of them. And two mangled Russian tanks sit abandoned in the town square. Their heavy tracks cover what was once lush beds of pink chrysanthemums and white and yellow daisies. It's hard to imagine this happening again. I don't know if I could survive psychologically. That's Miroslav Shilo. He's a local baker. During the occupation, he secretly secured flour so that he could make bread and stole gas so that he could deliver it to the neediest residents, including patients and doctors at the hospital. Today, hundreds of desperate residents are standing in line outside his shop, waiting to get a loaf of bread for their families. There are a lot of ruined shops. You can't buy anything. This is the only place you can get food. Zenia Skorohodov, an administrator at City Hall, says it will likely take years to rebuild. Thousands of jobs were lost when the local chocolate factory and wood factory were destroyed. He said hundreds more were lost when the bombed-out train station stopped working. 
It's very hard because the infrastructure of the city almost destroyed, destroyed uh, a biggest uh, enterprise of the city. So nowadays we don't have any abilities to back to normal life because it needs much financial resources to reconstruct uh, the infrastructure subjects in the city. But Mayor Yuri Bova is confident that they'll get the money. The infrastructure, he says, will be rebuilt. He worries more about the scars on people's minds. The psychological state of the people is the biggest challenge. 52 people were killed, including two children, and there are 18 people still missing. Bova says most everyone in the community lost family or a friend. Some watched them die. And some also had to live alongside the dead because they could not leave their homes to bury them properly. The trauma that people experience will last for years. It cannot be cured by humanitarian aid. Back at the hospital, Dr. Svitsova says they cried a lot and laughed when they could. They had to find any way to keep working. One baby was born in a bomb shelter. During the heavy fighting, everyone got quiet waiting to hear the child. She finally cried. Everyone cheered. And she said it was the one moment when everyone forgot about the shelling. Franco Ordonez, NPR News, Trust Yonets, Ukraine. When the economic news gets to be a bit much... Listen to The Indicator from Planet Money. We're here for you, like your friends, trying to figure out all the most confusing parts. One story, one idea, every day. All in 10 minutes or less. The Indicator from Planet Money, your friendly economic sidekick. From NPR. Jasmine Morris here from the StoryCorps podcast. Our latest season is called My Way. Stories of people who found a rhythm all their own and marched to it throughout their lives. Consequences and other people's opinions be damned. You won't believe the courage and audacity in these stories. Hear them on the StoryCorps podcast from NPR. On this week's Wild Card, we talk with Issa Rae about those moments where our lives could have gone another direction. Definitely wasn't supposed to be with that guy at all. At all. But I still think about it. I'm Rachel Martin. Issa Rae tells us how to make peace with the path not taken. That's on the Wild Card podcast from NPR, the game where cards control the conversation. <laughs> 